0: Welcome to episode 33 of the Cast of Caw, where we talk about all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your host, Rachel, and joining me is the other half of my quartet, the one and only DJ. Aye, aye,
1: aye, it's me. Woohoo!
0: Welcome back, sir!
1: Yeah, um, so, we're actually doing this pretty reasonably fast, aren't we? Um, Well,
0: what you don't know is that I have created a content calendar, and we're going to start turning these suckers out
1: nice We'll we'll eventually finish this series of books
0: yeah uh, you know what i looked and there's only three more episodes and we'll be done with this book what i know and i don't know about you like as much as i'm enjoying this book and i am i really am having a good time i'm really excited to get to lizard and glass because it's the book that i think i've only read once And I was so mad because it was like, this book, spoiler alert, leaves on a bit of a cliffhanger. And all I wanted was to know what happened next. And then the next book came out years later and it was like a prequel. So I was like, I read it, but I was like salty the whole time. So I'm excited to read it again with a more open mind.
1: (laughs) Well, we have so much cool stuff ahead of us too that like, don't want to spoil anything, but you know.
0: Yeah, I also feel like I definitely sped through the the final books because they came, actually came out in quick succession. And so they've kind of all blended together and I don't totally have clear memories of them. So just as we go forward, a lot of it's going to feel like, whereas these earlier books I remembered pretty well, these, er- these new books are going to feel like almost like first time reads.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's really exciting to me. But and we're going to start getting them out on a regular basis. I have been thoroughly shamed by the listeners, <laughs> <laughs> and so I sat down and I put down, I put together a full content calendar. And if we stick to it, we will be putting out, we will be putting out episodes every two weeks. Nice. So that's exciting, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I I have one unrelated note that I would like to make for dear listeners out there. Okay. If you are into cartoons oh okay is a, and this is not stephen king related it's just i found it surprisingly deep and interesting the uh guy that created adventure time has put out a new cartoon called the midnight gospel
0: how is that i've been it, meaning to watch it it is
1: super deep uh, like like yeah you're not gonna binge this this no? is one episode at a time reflect and then watch another episode makes you think about a lot of things and also it's just like this like fever dream of a thing going on around Mm -hmm. that conversation at the same time
0: I love Adventure Time and part of it is because I love the dystopian aspect Mm -hmm. of it and just the really amazing world buildings and he did that on what Cartoon Network?
1: Oh yeah Cartoon Network
0: I am excited to see what Pendleton Ward does when unleashed (laughs) on Netflix
1: I mean he always (laughs) says in his interviews that there's uh, you know this is not a drug thing (laughs) But <laughs> this one is like—if <laughs> anybody made animation for like someone who is high, this animation is for someone who's high.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna check it out. All right. So, all uh, right, bringing us all the
1: way back yes. around. All right. So, uh, the plan for
0: the episode this week: we're continuing our journey through the wastelands with an in-depth conversation about the wastelands book two, "Lud: A Heap of Broken Images," chapter five, "Bridge and City," sections twenty-one through twenty-five. And then after after that, we'll wrap up with a fun little like message from the listener. I put a call out on our Facebook page and um, for conspiracy theories about Lud, and we got we got a pretty fun one. So we'll save that for the end because it is pretty spoilery for the series. So we'll definitely let, let people get out of here if they haven't read it before. Speaking of our listeners. DJ, would you do me a solid and remind our listeners of our spoiler policy?
1: As usual, ladies and gentlemen out there, we try to let you know ahead of time before we cross over into the dark side that is the spoiler zone. We will put our face to the ground, listen with one ear, and hear that train a-coming, and we will put up a sign that says, please exit now, or you shall be spoiled.
0: (laughs) I mean, I don't know that I could have said it any better than that, people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know where uh, any of that came from but okay
0: <laughs> i loved it i love it when you wax poetic i'm not mad at it i feel like we need some sort of super cut of all of your your you like your openings and your closings <laughs> <laughs> all right so before we get into the review we did get one review on itunes this week which is so nice and for those of you at home who um want to support the show one great way is just to let people know that we exist by reviewing us on itunes and if you do We'll read it on the show. Uh, this one comes from Kate La Right one Kate La Right one Ooh. Kate. La... Is that like Kate the Right One?
1: Maybe. Is Kate
0: the One? <laughs> have I found my soulmate? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Kate says, I discovered this podcast due to my extreme love, borderline obsession with the Dark Tower. With recent global events... <clears throat> Yes, as prophesied by Psy King. (laughs) Let's see. I found myself craving the companionship and shenanigans of Roland and his content. Enter Rachel and DJ to the rescue. I absolutely adore the deep dives they take on all things DT related and the in-depth psychological analysis, the friendly ban, and the friendly banter. I was so overjoyed to have found this gem of a podcast that I listened to it in its entirety in a matter of two weeks. Oh man, that's Nice. That makes me feel good. All right, now here comes the gift. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you, DJ and Rachel. Please come back soon. The beams are crumbling around us. I pray you'll return to us soon. Long days and pleasant nights.
1: Isn't that? So, that's great. Uh, podcasts have been like a renewed passion for everybody since.
0: Right. <laughs> that is the one upside of all this global pandemic stuff like i i feel like way up more on my podcast game than i've been in like 10 years
1: (laughs) oh man i like i went back to episode one a criminal before what's her name was even doing it and like started from scratch
0: holy moly so thank you so much to caitla one for the review uh means a lot when you take the time to write that and i'm really glad that you are enjoying the show all right dj let's get into some mid-world shenanigans okay so where do we leave off
1: where we left off is uh, Roland and the gang had just crossed this crazy bridge, and we have Puss Man Jr. Ugh. rolling up uh, to, to, to take Jake for possibly some nefarious uh, man boy love association No, business. no,
0: Nambla. <laughs> uh, and
1: meanwhile, uh, Eddie and Susanna get sent off on a quest to find Blaine the Pain, and Roland teams up with Oi. On a Jake hunting expedition. Oy, 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 oy. Jake's pulled through a bunch of garbage piles and messes and so on, and Oi basically becomes the lead for Roland to drag him through to where we could find Jake possibly. But first, before we continue on that thread and I get too far off <laughs> of the beaten path, let's jump back to Eddie and Susanna, who uh, yes. are, are basically like rolling out into this like strange. Um, sort of New Yorkish city, uh, that uh has a kid. In, uh, now, Rachel, um, I heard the description of a Font What mm-hmm. What is it? Before I talk about the little people and and so on, what is a Font LeRoy?
0: Do you remember that commercial for? Oh, I don't remember what kind of candy it was, but it's like this little kid. He's like berries and cream, berries and cream.
1: You
0: know no. what I'm talking about. Oh Lord, he's like a fancy, like a fancy little old timey boy. Lord with, like
1: Font Leroy, Um. Okay, I see. You. He's like got like cute hair. Yes. I already don't like this kid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but now can you? Does it? Does it? especially make this moment super creepy yeah it makes it
1: like now that i have a picture (laughs) to go with that that does make this kid a little creepier so yeah this kid comes like basically um running out of like some english ivy like a, a you know maybe like a an opening sconce or something like that. that, uh, I don't think sconce is the right word. Um, An opening. An arch. Arch, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A a sconce is something else. Um, That's okay. (laughs) We're uh,
0: not architects here, okay? (laughs) He comes running out of
1: the, with like some, you know, uh, brush in his hair and so on. And he's running. And for some reason, he's trying to get the brush out of his hair, but he's doing it awkwardly with like one hand. And he's really excited. He's like, they're going to do the thing. They're going to do the thing, you know? And like, uh, um, Eddie's just like looking at him. And meanwhile, Susanna is like getting the getting the psychic powers on. She's like,
0: she she flashes. Her senses are tingling. Yeah, she flashes back
1: to. Well, first she notices that he's only using one hand to wipe wipe the the uh, the plants out of his hair, and and she's like, well, that's awkward. And then she thinks back to to Roland and Roland's explanation of Gasher as he came up. If only they'd have known. Um, or prepared for that, that he had, you know, an exploding egg before he got close enough to him that they couldn't do anything about it. And so Susanna, despite Eddie's cries for reprieve, pulls a gun on the little little toddler who's like dancing and singing and running towards them and like all excited and telling them they're going to miss the the great time and and tells him to stop and he just keeps going until she fires at him. And then it turns out that he had a grenade behind his back, and mm, his head mm. goes flying off and plops down on the ground. And he's um, he's not actually a young toddler, but like an older man who's very small yes. and dressed up almost in like a toddler type of costume. And my envisioning yeah. here is almost like Oompa Loompa-esque uh, 70-year-old children of the damnedish mix <laughs> yeah
0: it's not a great look
1: yeah and he's like pussy and gross and uh, yeah, yeah just... he also
0: has the the horse blossoms on his face yep
1: the horse blossoms on his face mm-hmm. and this spurs on like the notice of the other uh, little people that are r- running about and i don't
0: know they're all little people i think he in particular was a little person
1: so uh, maybe because they painted him as being so small yeah i I pictured all of the other characters
0: (laughs) you just left like a full wizard of oz vibe (laughs) (laughs) i went straight
1: to like willow almost only with like cute outfits and was like yeah that's what's going on here is willow uh so that this bar is like basically an, an attack from these folks and uh, one guy brandishing like what uh, seems to be a spear um that was used to be maybe a fence post or something like comes running at him and is like you know uh, uh if we all gang up we can get him and like eddie just shoots him and then eddie has this sort of weird internal dialogue where it's like i hand really enjoyed doing that <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and it's like uh, you know. Uh, Eddie is becoming dark again a little bit, you know. And then Susanna fires on a few of them. They kind of like disperse the crowd, uh, but not before killing uh, a couple more of these folks. And then we're left with um what is her name? What is the
0: Maud and Jeeves.
1: Maud and Jeeves. So we're left with Maud mm-hmm. and Jeeves and uh, Jeeves is like I guess
0: a pastor? No, he looks like a butler.
1: A butler okay and he yeah. has like two poofs of hair on either side and they finally explain that they're gunslingers and the um ma kind of has this weird weird banter with him where she's like well you're if you're not grays or pubes then you're bad you know and and the last non-gray or pube was captain so-and-so and i don't like that guy he sailed down the river years ago you know or whatever and I want to stop there and say, should I know this? Because I, I felt like I should have known the captain from some of the early, earlier stories.
0: I didn't recognize the name. I don't think so. I think we're okay.
1: Okay. Because I, I didn't want to just breeze past that. There's There seemed almost zero point to mention it unless it was like...
0: I mean, she was sort of running down because he asked, like, who's in charge? She's like, well, you killed Winston and then... Spanker we, we just offed Spanker and yep. and then I guess the next person would be this guy Captain what's his butt but he's gone so like I think it's meant to kind of communicate how just sort of this ramshackle and leaderless this group is mm. but I mean how could it possibly have any structure if if multiple times a day they're killing people at random
1: yeah and that's one thing i kind of breeze past there uh in the previous section we covered people hanging on spikes smelling of sweet spices yeah uh, uh, throughout the area and, and it turns out that um they're mirroring uh, what was the book that Susanna? The lottery the lottery mm-hmm. uh she mentions the book the lottery and like they're p- basically playing out the pages of that book in this weird um societal dissidents murder each other to stop the machines from murdering you and so on it gets pretty grim there and then eddie kind of back and forth with them a little bit and then Susanna back and forth with them a little bit and they posit the fact that maybe the grays are actually um, running the drums and that that's they know that they'll off each other if the drums are on there and then they kind of get some sarcasm from the, I, I guess, I don't Jeeves know. I, gets Jeeves gets sassy. Jeeves isn't having
0: it. And, I actually and, find this section, to, or this his description of, like, why they do it to be bone chilling. Yeah, and he says it like with, some,
1: like, a matter of fact, like, here's the science. Thing. You don't know the science. Right. You just got gaslit hard, and now you don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so can we go back a little bit? Yeah, yeah, let's some... roll all
1: the way back, because I just, like, flew through that.
0: I know, but that's okay. Uh, I do have some notes, though. I want to go back to the part where the dwarf, his name's Winston, comes, I believe. Is that true?
1: I don't know if that's true.
0: Actually, I don't think that's true. I did not mention any
1: names because these characters whizzed by so fast for me. That... Yeah,
0: I, I think winston is actually the clown looking character that throws the spear so okay so when the little guy comes running out with the grenade he calls out to them um and he's saying like come on hurry up spankers the one who pulled the rock you need if you don't hurry up you're going to miss the fakement." um uh, mm-hmm. which the first time i went through that i kind of just sped past that word like my brain just mentally turned it into fate it's like a party or whatever and i i seen that word used occasionally in books where like you know there's a little sacrifice going on so like that's what my brain turned it into but as i went through again it caught my eye and so i went ahead and looked up the word because i didn't know if it was mid-world ease or if it was a thing but it actually is a word that means contrivance or device used to deceive and I actually kind of love the use of the word in this section because it has multiple meanings and multiple reasons of significance in this part. Oh, because um,
1: he's deceiving them in yes. multiple ways and like also excited about the bad things that are happening to another person.
0: Well, okay. So, yes, he appears to be a child, which initially takes them off their guard. The way that he approaches them at first seems welcoming. And while he's trying to distract them, while he has, so we can get close enough to, like, throw a grenade at them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that makes sense. That's a contrivance. But also, there is the idea that this ceremony has to take place, and we learn that it's all about sacrificing these people in order to prevent these ghosts from coming up out of the grates. Uh, but what he doesn't even realize is that, like, in the use of this fake mint, the, what they are doing is basically a, a contrivement a deception that controls them and gets them to kill themselves off because the people under the city know that, that that this is going on upstairs and even though i don't think that they were necessarily responsible for the music he, later on gasher talks about how like they avoid these metal grates because or these metal manholes because they believe that's where the monsters come out of and mm-hmm. so you get the idea that they're like fostering this superstition so what they're actually doing what they call the fakement is in fact an actual fakement even though does isn't necessarily what they think it means.
1: It's like uh inception for <laughs> inception.
0: Yes, it's fakement inception. <laughs> exactly. So I thought that was really interesting uh and pretty multi-layered. Mm. Uh the other thing that happens in the section is that we Detta kills someone for the first time. Or no, sorry, Susanna. But when she goes into her her gunslinger mode, what happens is that Detta sort of re-emerges to the surface. And up until this point, you kind of got the sense that these personalities has, had integrated into one and become Susanna. But at this point, I think it you understand that it's a little more nuanced than that. That Detta and Odetta do still exist within Susanna. It's just that she is now the dominant personality. And those personalities only come forward in order to benefit and serve her rather than taking over and controlling and dividing her. Which I think is just an interesting little wrinkle into understanding her psychology. Hmm. And also, there's a moment in this section. Sorry, I have a whole bunch of notes for oh, this. Oh no problem. Um, so there's a moment in the section where Eddie um, is trying to pull his gun, and they get tangled in his. It gets tangled in his underwear, and I just. <laughs> yeah, and scary. then once he finally gets it out, he starts shooting like a champ, just like full cold steel gunslinger mode, which is just like the most Eddie set of events ever. Like if you were going to encapsulate who Eddie is and like the duality of who he is, it is him getting his. Gun tangled in his chonies and then being like a stone cone killer. (laughs) Yeah. And so I thought that was. I mean, honestly, this whole section in really endeared me to Eddie. I always love him, he's a great character. I just think like angry Eddie in the section is so witty. He's just like the champion shit talker. But in addition to that, we also kind of see in in the same way that we see like a duality in Susanna when she shifts her different personalities, depending on whether or not she's in gunslinger mode. That also happens to Eddie. Um, But in his case, he basically, there's a division between his head and heart and his hands. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how, you know, he's reticent to pull his gun out again, or he's afraid that the people will give him a reason to shoot because he isn't a hundred percent sure what his hands will do in that situation. Because as much as he may be able to be guilted, About killing Winston, his hands enjoyed what basically going into gunslinger mode. Um, And so I just, it, it shows you how like complicated these characters are. And then if you like kind of take a step further back, it allows you to understand Roland in a different way as well. Especially when we talked about how he was under the city trying to like avoid being able to like hold off the red haze of that gunslinger mode, that there is. Still, like, there's a Roland that is the Roland we, who grew up in Gilead and had friends and is growing these connections with his friends. But then there's also this other side of him that is, like, gunslinger Roland. Mm. Um, and it's for, I think, up until the Drawing of Three and some starting, actually, a little bit in the Gunslinger and then more so with Drawing of Three. Like Dedda and, and, and Odetta, he had allowed that part of his duality to take control. Whereas now, more and more, he, he's... More of Roland is emerging, and so that there is more of a balance in him, so that he could push back on that. And it's something that is we're seeing throughout all of his gunslinger friends. So I think it is intrinsic to being a gunslinger.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's pretty good, actually. Um, the other thing you missed is uh, the Russian. Your Russian nesting dolls goes one more layer deep because uh, Eddie and Susanna had lost count of how many bullets they'd shot and were basically yeah. out of. Out, right. out of uh, bullets, and so they were bluffing these folks as they're trying to convince right. them to take them to the train station, which we find out is actually called the Cradle.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it just tells you right there that like there is instinct, but then there's also experience, yeah, and definitely. like they're still as as amazing as they are in terms of like their technical skills. They they lack experience, um, and you can see that in the way that they make these sort of like beginner errors fortunately they get away with it but that could be a real problem if they were up against someone other than like a bunch of like kind of idiots (laughs) like you know like that if somebody actually challenged them on that that might be a problem oh yeah the last thing is just when eddie and susanna start heading toward the he like they talk them into taking them to the i don't know if we've gotten to this but they they talk them into taking them to the cradle and we and there's like thunder crashing and like starting winds blowing yeah there's a
1: rainstorm like whipping up
0: Yes, so we're like on the cusp of this wind of this storm, right? And we get this great cinematic moment where the thunder booms and the bodies start twisting and dancing in the wind. And it's it just made me think about well, first of all, that's just cool, like visually. You could I totally could picture it in my mind. You could see this, like you know, if you were watching a movie, like this would be a great, like the clouds
1: are rolling in on the Midwest,
0: yes, it's amazing, right? And then The other thing it made me think about is the last time that we were faced with a storm. Um, I don't know if you recall, but that was right outside the speaking ring. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's really significant or if it's just Stephen King's using it as a device because it creates really cool atmosphere and a sense of dread. Uh, or if there is maybe a deeper meaner. I don't know. We'll have to stay tuned to find out. But I think it's worth noting.
1: Well, Stephen King goes outside of the gang to say, like, this is the yearly storm right. slash monsoon that happens in this area. Right. And, like, they don't know that. But, every you know, the people that actually live there know that. And the area mm-hmm. knows that. So it's an extra level of foreboding that you're not going to just get out of this storm.
0: Right. It's not going to be a light little sprinkle. Like this is something serious. Yeah, That's exactly. a good point. That's a really good point.
1: All right. So, uh, they end up negotiating with the r- rather cheeky Jeeves and okay. mod to take him to the cradle. And this cradle is actually where, um, it's the train station where Blaine, the pain hangs out. And they, they basically say like, there's a line that they won't cross because, uh if they are killed by the machines you know it could be worse than if they just were killed normally and Mm -hmm. and Maud does this weird but like sort of changes your feeling about these rather crude and sort of um old-timey religion people and she like reaches down and kisses one of the fallen guys on the forehead and you know says uh um, i'll meet you at the end of the path you know don't forget about me and yeah. it's sort of like a touching moment where you realize that like even though these people have gone way off course that deep down inside there's still some semblance of like a strange version of humanity floating around yeah. inside of them mm-hmm. and the yeah. other other thing that i wanted to mention and um and this is kind of important too is um susanna uh when she's like kind of bickering back and forth with the the two uh, she she says there's no such thing as ghosts, and, like, Stephen King takes a moment to reflect on the fact that actually as soon as she said it, those words rang hollow, and mm-hmm. she could think of many examples in this world of ghosts. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> that's not really a, a good argument against these folks who say, like, there's ghosts in the machine. Well, yeah. I mean, they may not bring people back to the life, but there's it's that interesting thing where superstition and st- stereotyping always has some sort of weird seated root that yeah. someone points at first to be like, well, what about that?
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Oh, the way that they talk about Blaine in the section two really does make him super creepy. Like when they talk about him being the cruelest ghost in all yep, of this exactly. cruel world, and kind of start getting our little hint of how Blaine works. You know, the people in River Crossing told us. Made him sound like just this amazing technological marvel, right? Mm-hmm. But then when we get a little bit closer and the people that actually live in his sphere of influence, it gets a lot scarier. It's very mysterious that this like drunk guy goes up there and like he, he they hear him like whispering questions to him and then kills him. Is you know like it really well, does raise the stakes for our gunslingers? Kills
1: him with a flash of blue light. Underline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so and that was a rather long section, guys. So um, we both actually had a few little nuggets we wanted to point out. So excellent. I, if anybody <laughs> knows the significance of the the captain that you know hops on a ship yeah, and sails missed. away, yeah. l- let us know because. I still – I have this nagging feeling that I should know something yeah. more about that guy, but I just didn't have the wherewithal to, to f- figure it out. So Yeah,
0: reading through these chapters, I realized I need to just go ahead and get like, e-copies of all the books so that I can go back and search through them. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I find myself looking for PDFs online. Can <laughs> I just find out if this is something that has been referenced in a previous book? So I think, yeah, Next time we talk, I will have answers. <laughs>
1: Your notes just go next level. There, I'll oh, get ready. So, uh, and next we find uh, Jake hanging out with his good pal Gasher, uh. Uh, the, the pus-faced elderly uh. gentleman, uh. makes you feel uncomfortable the whole time. Uh. Uh, they're kind of like sprinting through uh, areas uh, back and forth, and Gasher's doing his normal thing of like whacking him. And they finally uh, stop. Everybody's heart's beating, but Gasher especially. And uh, uh, Jake's kind of like hoping that he he passes out and dies. And Gasher right. kind of makes humor of it as they go along, like my old ticker and so on. And they eventually come to this manhole. And uh, uh, Jake basically is forced by Gasher to lift up this manhole and uh, head underground. It's a slippery it's a slippery like moss covered ladder down there i guess and the, mm-hmm. the manhole is pretty heavy jake like feigns not being able to do it the first time and gasher increases the threat level to if you want to have any teeth by the time we get to the TikTok man you best well, he
0: he threatens to tear his tongue out yeah and tells him you're welcome to bite me because then you're gonna get get my yeah poison I'm blossoms
1: like, via the jesus. blood.
0: jesus this is dark, yeah. <laughs> even for Stephen King. This is dark,
1: and and so they head down into the sewer. Apparently, it's uh it's really dark and and um kind of just gross down there. And and then that's it. But you have a star here, so um as I, these are much shorter and I move fast. Uh, yes, back well, up. I mean,
0: I mean this this definitely is one of those sections where it's mostly just like a series of kind of events moving the plot forward. But there is one thing to note, especially after all the time we just spent like focusing on what was going through the minds of Eddie and Susanna um, is that we do kind of get a look at how all of Roland's baby gunslingers um, are feeling about death and dealing with it here in the city of Ludd. You know, they're being confronted and tested in ways that they never have been before. And Susanna is shook. Eddie is of two minds. Uh but Jake is ready for some stone cold murder. <laughs> Something that he's surprised by, that it basically that the desire for murder could take root in his heart so quickly. I mean, to be fair, if anybody deserves to get straight up murked, it's Gasher. <laughs> But I think that that is significant that he feels so strongly about it. But also, unlike, you know, other 11 year olds who might, you know, I hope you die. You know, you were mean, so I hope you die. Like, you get the sense that this little baby gunslinger, he not only means it, but will act on it given a chance. And so, like I said, I think we're all seeing what happens when our gunslingers are put to the test and that they're kind of, they're ready to be killers. (laughs) Which well, and,
1: and even Gasher kind of it. sees it in Jake. He, yeah. he says, like, he, you know, this, what, it, what was his phrase? You don't sweat anything for me or he, you don't have sweet sweat for me or something like that. Yeah. Where it's Basically, like, you know, you're actually hoping that I die.
0: <laughs> I mean, the voice of the audience has spoken. Yes. We're all hoping you die, buddy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we cut away. This is like sort of a 24-esque situation where it's like, boom, boom. Dun, 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 dun. dun 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 yeah (laughs) so now the camera spins out of frame and suddenly we're hanging out with roland and oi um oi has been hot on the trail to help uh uh, find jake and they they get to this spot um one of the booby traps roland's already kind of swung past which is the more complex one and that one had like the guide wire that we talked about earlier that he he just barely missed but he gets this next trap and the next trap is like a fountain you know a, the size of several cars just hanging from the air
0: yeah and
1: some like poorly concealed cobblestones that are so much down. for my
0: theory that this was like a super advanced trap last time <laughs> Yeah, I know, <laughs> fool just what i know
1: <laughs> and, and like you almost get the feeling like because um earlier on uh Gasher kind of w- waved some praise at that first trap. Mm-hmm. And he also mentioned that it was a um the TikTok man that had a lot to do with that one. But Gasher's also proud of this next one and this is a stupid one. <laughs> and you almost wonder if like Gasher was responsible for this one and the TikTok man was uh, responsible for the more clever one
0: oh, t- oh Gasher, is such a dummy
1: yeah and he's like yeah I, I I did good i did good on this um so the, the Roland's
0: like this is absurd
1: roland sees it and is like this is dumb but yeah. he's like you know what um we don't want them to think we're still on the trail so he like kind of chucks a rock into the mechanism and generates a nice big uh crash so that uh gasher and jake and he actually roland kind of like internally thinks like Jake should be smart enough to know that I wouldn't fall for a trap this dumb, but he's in a stressful situation right now, so right. it is possible that, you know, he misinterprets this. Um but that's a choice that has to happen. Mm-hmm. And so he sets the trap off, the trap goes boom, and then Roland follows Oi all the way over to where the manhole is and strangely enough because Oi is like a non-domesticatable creature. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oi allows for roland to like make a makeshift leash and put it on him because he knows that oi's smelling skills will be enough to get him through the darkest portions of the sewer where he cannot see mm-hmm. and you, you almost get like oi chest raised and poofed out and like he he suffers through the indignity of a leash so that <laughs> yeah. he can help roland <laughs>
0: Yeah, this this like Roy Roland buddy cop movie is very sweet and I am so here for it. Oi is great in a way, you know, in all the ways that a loyal pet is like he's great in like every way that the best dog is. But he has that extra gunslinger it factor that Roland recognized in Jake way back in the way station. There's like this intelligence and something about him that is kind of like an old soul. Uh, he's smart enough to understand what to do and to interpret Roland's intentions. Even, even when it goes against his wild animal instincts, he allows him to be lifted. He he allows him to be put inside his shirt. And like, even though his, all of his instincts sort of freak out and scratch, he calms himself down because he recognizes that what they're doing and that he needs to do this in order to get to Jake. And that tells you right there, that there is a level of mental intelligence and sophistication in this animal that even Roland is kind of taking note of and just being like, how smart are you exactly? And I think that's something hopefully we'll get to see more and more of as we go on because Oi is the best. And it's also just this reminder that Ka has its finger on the scale, right? Like once again, in the form of, of Oi this time, Ka has put someone in Roland's path that's making it possible for him to to achieve something that he would not be able to do had he not had a companion there, whether it was, you know... Eddie on the beach in drawing of three, and now it there's no way he would be able to wake his way through that that dark labyrinth where he he sure he could track him through the city where he could see what he was doing, mm-hmm. but in the dark tunnels underneath the city like that would be it. He Jake would be lost, but because he has this this animal with him, he's able to continue to track him and. I just, you know, it just shows you right there that he is meant to be part of the Quartet. Well, there's ultimately. actually,
1: um, while you mentioned that uh, uh, link back to the earlier book, there's also a reference to that with the charging in with the kid, you know, with the uh, flaunt Leroy coming after him because he does right. like Stephen King immediately mentions like deja vu, uh, you know, yeah. pushing uh, uh, Susanna in a, in a wheelchair, you know, heading into yeah. battle, just like pushing Roland, you know, heading into yes. the battle.
0: Yes. I mean, and déjà vu is something that is going to be happening in basically in the final section of this. Like this this section we'll get to it, but there's like a you know that saying history doesn't repeat but it rhymes. Mm-hmm. there's some of that in this section but we'll get there i'm getting ahead of us
1: it doesn't repeat but that's a good one i don't know if yeah. I do know that say oh. i'm gonna have to
0: well then i made it up no i'm just kidding oh, good job
1: <laughs> Clev- the- clever girl <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you <laughs> me and the velociraptors <laughs> um
1: okay so then we uh we 24 it back to uh, uh eddie and susanna and this and... is
0: actually section 24 just saying no yeah just that's true <laughs>
1: That that was not me being clever, FYI. <laughs> that was pure accident. Um, so they kind of, like, roll into the cradle, which turns out to be this, like, sort of beautiful fountain-covered uh, opening. And, like, they're looking around and realize that, like, everything looks nice. And there's a gold statue in the middle, and and there's no graffiti, and there's no detritus and they realize that there's these little like nozzles coming out of everything. And and there's basically these pristine fountains everywhere that have been continually rinsed by, uh, these nozzles. Uh, and it's so like you, you imagine like waterworks with a giant gold statue and they like l- look at the gold statue and it has a cowboy hat and a gun and an olive branch. Mm-hmm. And then they, they kind of look closer and it, Maybe it's not Roland per se, but it's a gunslinger, definitely, that shows up in the middle of this plaza as, like, a sign of protectorate and so on. And that's super um, ominous. Like, Mm -hmm. as the gunslingers come through here before, you know, uh, were they also part of this society when it was still at its peak? Was a gunslinger, like, a spiritual man that deserved, like, a gold statue to be risen from the ground for? Mm -hmm. And you got two stars here, so I'm guessing you have some stuff to say on this, Well, I mean,
0: there's something, I mean, I wasn't, it isn't in my notes, but there's some, like, debate about, like, what is a gunslinger doing on the top of this building? Because the timeline is wrong. Or is it? Well, I mean, gunslingers came about after the fall, Right. So why would they be?
1: But that's the thing. So did they remember? Okay, so let's go back. Oh, right.
0: Wait, this goes back to your theory. Yes, thank you. Oh, damn. DJ's theory is getting more and more evidence every week.
1: That's what I was trying to lead you to. Okay, Okay. go, go, go. You go, go, go. go. And then I'll go back to my notes. My my original evolution of the gunslinger was that it was almost like a police force that became religion to become like a sanctum to be becoming like... The final resting place of what we have is the gunslinger today. So, if you subscribe to said theory, then during their more spiritual or leadership times as a symbol of society, you know, like, I mean, I don't know if the Shriners are as prevalent of an example, but some, you know, group like that, uh, uh, the Masons maybe, um, they had like risen to this sort of predominance. And the gold statue to me would say, like, yeah, um, they're a symbol of protection, but they're like a symbol of maybe even religion or safety or societal norms, you know, all those things. And I, I don't know if this theory will get knocked down in future books. I'm,
0: I'm curious when we get to the next book because I feel like we're, that's where we're going to get all the family wanna... lineage stuff. Yeah, exactly. Is that origin person of note the first gunslinger or is he a gunslinger? Because if he is a gunslinger, then you're – your theory lives on if you mm-hmm. use the first gunslinger well then, then it doesn't work but we don't know that yet so as of for right this minute we i'm still a hundred percent like a total cop to gunslinger truther
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> i just i don't
1: know it sounds kind of cool to me to like almost turn a working class group into like um some sort of like spiritual thing and then continue on back into their like devolved state again as the world moves on Uh, rise
0: uh, of the working class i love it
1: (laughs) (laughs) so uh after they kind of like marbled this statue um they're kind of like they're kind of off put by this whole area and it's it's weird cleanliness and then there's like a, a red line um on the ground and basically jeeves and And Mod refused to go any further. Uh, They don't want to die a a soul sucking death by uh, Blaine. They would rather die the normal way uh, on the safe side of that line. Uh, So they have a little bit more banter, and uh, I, I believe Mod basically says, You just don't understand. (laughs) what's what's coming
0: agree to disagree yeah and then they said
1: (laughs) the words are falling to the ground or something to that nature and like there's no way for us to have a conversation anymore and and so uh mod and jeeves kind of like look at them over their shoulder and wander off into the distance and meanwhile like eddie and susanna are (laughs) Are like all hyped up from this like earlier battle, and they're a little bit of uh, traversing the city, and like they're both kind of like getting frisky. Oh, the romance bits
0: bum me out. And Rachel brought up a really good
1: point before the cast. She said like Stephen King writes sexy bits like your dad or grandpa would write a sexy bit. So like. (laughs) <laughs> They're like kind of hyped up, and then uh, Eddie's like, uh, um, "This isn't the time for this." And and she, you know, Susanna gives him a good squeeze in the in the man bits, and says, oh you feel like you're ready for it right now." Ha-ho. And you're just <laughs> oh like, God. "Oh, awkward."
0: This is all very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a prude. It's just the way he writes sexy stuff is it's not sexy. It's just. It's like your dad is writing, like, sexy fanfic. I don't know. It's weird. I don't like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a str- strange way that um, that someone who has never had an encounter writes an encounter for the first time in a book. Right. And it's just he like... has
0: way too many kids to not know how to write something. Like <laughs> <I see. laughs>
1: and, and speaking of kids, that's a great segue. Um, also, we find out while they're sort of, like, getting Randy no. that Susanna I is hate pregnant it. and it, she's not told eddie yet and doesn't feel this is currently the right time
0: i mean she's right about that but also thanks i hate it <laughs> this pregnancy <laughs> stuff is a bummer
1: and so they basically like walk past the line and head down into the train station
0: yeah yeah All right, let's get back to better things in this stuff. Okay, that Anything I
1: breezed too far past on that? Yes, of
0: course. I have notes. Okay. So, um, all right. Let's go back to the description of the cradle. So, the description of the cradle, it is this big, beautiful building, which at the top of it has like a bestiary or a bestiary. I don't know. How do you pronounce that? Bestiary or Bestiary.
1: I don't know bestiary
0: I'm getting I've to never lived in a fancy place is, that has one confirming. of those galleries so so it is a mix of these totem of the beams which is to be expected and very cool but then on each of the corners are these like horrific dragons and to me it was just another great example of how this book is like playing in and out of genres on it's these use very high fantasy symbols on top of this extremely technologically advanced building and it's that like weird western meets high fantasy meets sci-fi that I just love. You know, we get like the mentions of Lemurk Foundry in the section a couple of times, mm-hmm. and it's. I actually forgot friend.
1: about the uh, um, the banner cover did have Lemurk Technologies on it.
0: Yes, it did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I tried to go back and figure out what exactly companies were mentioned in the Gunslinger, but I ran out of time. <laughs> All right. So the other thing is, again, about this building is the architecture is very classical. It's very Grecian. Uh, Susanna recognizes it as being similar to the Parthenon. And I noticed that there are actually quite a few classical references throughout these sections. Right in the very first section, we got the mention of when he sees this giant disc in the street, there's a mention of like Jupiter and Jove playing Frisbee. Oh, yeah, that's right. It wasn't
1: Jupiter and Jove. It was um, was Thor Thor and and, and, uh, somebody else.
0: Yeah, it was Thor and Jove. I know because I had to look up because I was like, is Jove the two-faced one? No, he's not. That's Janus. Jove is actually the... Okay, so Romans adapted their religion from Greek, yep. Greek, right? So Zeus became Jove. But in some mentions in Roman mythology, Thor and Jove are actually the same god as well. So it was interesting that he was picking these two gods that on in some ways are... And some mythology are different, and some mythology are the same, but they're both gods of lightning and thunder, and we have like this brewing storm happening. So there, that's a classical reference. We also get the totems, and then juxtaposed against all of this is the discovery of the figure of the gunslinger, and he is atop the Parthenon. He is now in this context of what we're talking about: classical uh, mythology, and you, it, he is basically grouped into this same kind of ideology right like in this world a gunslinger is on par with these mythical classical gods and i think it gives you a real perspective on exactly what that archetype is to the culture and you see it again in the way that when they're when they tell mod and jeeves to go away and jeez is concerned that Maude or that the gunslingers are going to shoot them in the back and Maud tells them like no gunslingers wouldn't do that like th- you have to remember this isn't a city where like civility has broken down to like just like absolute like violence and su- su- uh, superstition and you know like i don't think there's a great educational system probably i wouldn't say they weren't known for like tracking to harvard or anything in the city um and yet the understanding of who and what a gunslinger is remains and it's not altered or twisted like it is still what the belief of gunslingers has has gone unchanged in this culture which tells you that not only is it something that was of great significance at the time of the city of flood where they were putting up these massive buildings and putting gunslingers on top but that like there it's such a deeply entrenched More that to this day, these people who are largely uneducated still truly understand on a fundamental level what a gunslinger is and what they believe and the way that they behave.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um uh, that was actually pretty deep when she's like, No, they don't, gunslingers don't do that.
0: Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean it just tells you everything like we've we've had this setup, right? Like we've had the people outside in river crossing who are like looking to Roland, and, and we see the rituals of when he meets them and he's like kissing their hands. And he's seen sort of like as a prophet and a law, like a protector and a law enforcer and all, and a, you know, a diplomat and all of these things, a spiritual leader. Um And then we kind of see how it, on a, on a much grander sca- scale, what it meant, like not anecdotally, but like, you can see how it, functioned in the culture itself um so i thought that was really interesting it's
1: extra weird too though if you think about it from the perspective that last statement's perspective uh that there's a giant golden gunslinger in (laughs) the middle of this space right and it's guarding blaine on the other side of it is it there to protect blaine or is it there to protect the city from blaine and is that like a giant stephen king Mm. symbol like slapped down in the middle that the gunslinger will protect you from this and then that statement's like an extra bit because they're looking over their shoulders at the gunslingers and also there's a giant golden gunslinger behind them
0: (laughs) yeah right right yeah i don't know that's interesting who yeah who who watches the watchmen right like (laughs) (laughs) uh the last thing i would say about this section is there's a little moment where Susanna's just like looking around and she wishes she could like read everything and inspect everything and i'm just like oh me too damn curse you stephen king but you know time is of the essence so they have to keep it moving and it just made me think like if we can't have a show and if we don't get our animated series i would love like an open world game in this set in this universe or you where you just like, go
1: water around and like touch and look yes, at stuff Yes,
0: i want to go i want to like fight with the people i want to fight with the pubes and then i want to go and like in- inspect the cradle and like look around and like get a good look at the gunslinger you know i want to do all that and uh, obviously i understand for pacing reasons why we can't like stop and treat it like we're at the like you know midworld Louvre. but <laughs> at the same time like i want to know and i just thought it would blend itself like to like a fallout style video game where you're just like wandering around Midworld and like doing things like do you have a main quest but you have a bunch of other side quests and you just get to wander around and find stuff Ugh, i just think this would be chef's kiss
1: okay so swinging back around uh to jake yes. jake is still hanging out with gasher they're running through this uh, uh gross sewer um they hear the explosion and this basically confirms to gasher that his tricky trap did what it was supposed to do. And, and this is also, too, where um, Gasher sort of alludes to the fact that the bunker underground, um, the uh, pubes won't go near any manholes and are afraid of the machines underneath. Mm-hmm. But that, that, um, that position that uh, uh, Susanna took earlier is actually <laughs> legit that uh, it turns out the Grays has yeah. got a secret camp down in the in the bowels of the city where they've got years of food stored up and uh, a little compound and a easy method for tricking the pubes into killing each other. And yeah. they don't have to worry about it because the pubes are afraid of the sewer because of the machines. Yeah, So that's extra dark. Yeah,
0: (laughs) no kidding. (laughs) I mean, not that the Greys don't have their own degree of superstition. Like he make when he makes Jake sing the song, he (laughs) refers to like you know appeasing the ghosts that are down in the machine. So like they also have a little bit of suspicion, but not to the point where it would keep them, you know, out of out away from this like great little resource that they have down there. But they they share some of that like ignorance and fear of the machines. But then I guess you would, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean. They still don't under like as we'll find out. They're not completely understanding of f- fully how technology works. Yeah. So uh, there's that, and um, and and that's kind of like pointed out a little bit with Gasher and his song because his song is like a really lewd, yeah, twelve year old song about like yeah. jiggling ladies' uh, breasts and like mm-hmm. giving them a little squeeze and like gross. And then he tells Jake to sing, and Jake sings a like. Also a childish, like, Yeah um, snap, like you remember that snapper Creek song where like you swim through the water and the naked and the, there's a snapping turtle in the water. It was like a, a kid's song. Yeah. I don't remember how it goes, but it, it has something to do with like, um, the snapping turtle in the water and you swimming through it naked. It, it was like a, I want to say it was, um, a Chuck Berry little ditty or something like oh. that.
0: Okay. Anyway,
1: uh, that was the scandalous thing that was played in boys' bathrooms when I was 11. <laughs> and, and, you know, that and, like, Adam Sandler comic stuff. But yeah. this kind of <laughs> uh, falls into the, like, more um, uh, sexual version of Lunch Lady Land. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Uh, in that you know jake's like oh well if gasher's gonna sing like a dirty song he's like my lady's got uh hips like torpedoes and and you know like
0: I oh my god been
1: all the money on her so that she can you know and it's just like it's just kind of fun but also like yeah. really lewd and then yeah. gasher basically like jake's wandering along and like uh he grabs him by the ear and like stops him from falling into a big hole but also is like i should have let you fall because you sing so horribly that it would have (laughs) been a justice to the world to to deprive them of your awful singing skills yeah so the combination of them wandering around in the sewer is basically they roll up to this like crazy sort of submarine hatchish door with like a, a little speaker and a broken camera hanging out front and Gasher slaps the button, and you know, banter[s] with the TikTok man for a second, and asks him to to let him in. And uh, Gasher points out that, or uh, excuse me, TikTok man points out that the camera's been broken for a little while. And even though he knows it's a TikTok man, he doesn't want him to be being colluded into, you know, getting in there. So he had given him a password, and he wants him to give him the password. But the TikTok dumb, dumb man, yeah, this is where sure. we, we, yeah, where we find out the TikTok man is thought his minions were smarter than they actually are. Uh, Gasher cannot uh remember the password and he also cannot read the password that he had written down on a piece of paper. And he mentioned the name for the person that wrote it down on the piece of paper. Do you remember who that was? No. Okay. And I don't know if that's significant or not. It's just it caught me off guard that he needed to say like he thanks whoever wrote it down on the piece of paper for him as he's getting it out. But then realizes he can't read and sort of, like, insults Jake and then hands it to him to read it to him. And that's when Jake's like, well, what if I don't do this? And mm-hmm. and Gasher like, explains that he will, you know, basically oh, beat his Hoops. head in. in Hoots is his yeah. name.
0: Hoots. God bless Hoots. Hoots yeah. takes care of me right properly he does.
1: Yeah, so I don't know who Hoots is, but we need to— I'm
0: guessing we'll meet him.
1: Yeah, exactly. We need to maybe remember that because apparently him and— and gasher him and
0: hoots are in cahoots
1: yeah exactly (laughs) that's that's the rhyme to remember hoots yes (laughs) Uh, and so they have like this sort of little standoff with gasher and jake where um jake realizes that the part of gasher that would be upset would not be left out to die in the sewers but being embarrassed yeah by the fact that you know he'd be found out for not being able to remember his password or be able to read it mm-hmm. and at the same time as he's like do that thing that you're taught after you're not gross and like you learn to not pee in corners um and and read uh gasher meanwhile is like wiping nasty bugs on the locks Ugh, and yeah, the buttons sure. and every
0: time he finds a way to be even more gross keep your bugs in your head you creep
1: and uh uh so basically jake reads the word what was the word again was it about uh, ba- bountiful
0: maybe or something like that? bountiful yes bountiful
1: bountiful okay so he reads the word to gasher gasher reads it to the tiktok man opens up the door and it's like uh it's almost like you imagine like one of the spaceship doors where like the outer door opens and then the inner door opens mm-hmm, and you like wander into this chamber and and then like you're left with just this like short description of it was the strangest and most interesting room i had ever seen done
0: yeah. <laughs> Cliffhanger. And that's where we leave off. Sorry about that, folks. Maybe not the most <laughs> graceful place to end, but what are you gonna do? We'll be back in two weeks and we can wrap it up then.
1: You had some stars on those, so like... I Did I blew past you again, so let's back up and Rachel, give it to us.
0: Sure. Okay, so earlier I said something about how history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. This is what I was talking about. So, Jake's descent into the city. He gets to a part where there's ventilation and neon lights. And it calls back to the last time that he was under, not under a city in that case, but under the mountain where he had reached a point where there was still technology that was functioning Mm -hmm. and where he was being harried by, you know, people who are, have, you know, in the case, it's the slow muties in under the mountain, but here, so they're not quite as mutated. But if you remember, Roland talks about how, that the effects of whatever this great disaster was are still felt in the city, even though they may not be quite as apparent from the appearance of them. And I think you know that's a reference to the way that these people like civil- like civilization has degraded and morality has degraded. And so it- there is some similarities to that. Where once again, there's like even allusion to him being dropped again, right? In, in this oh, case, yeah. it's Gasher that's going to drop him. Only this time, Gasher the- saves him. Right. Only the the fundamental difference this time is that Roland has absolutely no conflict about what he's going to do about Jake. If you remember when he was under the mountain last time, like he was telling him he was going to be fine, but all the while he, while he didn't know that that was going to be the case. In fact, he suspected, you know, not only would he not be okay, but that Roland was going to let that happen. And you know, obviously that came to pass. Whereas this time, after everything that they've gone through, after the, uh, the epic struggle they took to right the world. Roland has no conflict about what he's going to do. Like he is going to save Jake and he, you know, he's not going to allow him to be sacrificed. And so I I feel like this is sort of like a redeeming moment for their connection. Like when he, this time when he hopefully gets down there and saves Jake, it was sort of right this wrong, that even though things are forgiven, they can't totally be forgotten, but maybe this is be the situation where he's able to like make up that, that, that fatal, error that he made in the gunslinger
1: hmm. yeah i'd really i i mean i kind of got the picture of them going into the sewer but i had forgotten yeah. about the, the i hadn't really like thought in my mind to compare the jake almost falling to mm. jake actually falling until yeah. you said it so thank you for that rachel
0: definitely the other thing that stood out to me here is our this is our first introduction to the tiktok man now we have not seen him yet but we do get to hear his voice and there is a very distinct difference in the way that he talks versus everybody else that we've met in Lud. All the pubes and Gasher all have this very distinctive pattern of speech and slang and accent. And TikTok man, on the other hand, does not sound like that. And it, it, like right away you get the sense that he is of a very different class and intelligence. And I think will be it'll be interesting to see as that character develops if that's the case. But uh, it tells you that maybe there's like there is some degree of social stratification still in Lud, even though it seems like it's just a, like a cesspool and a free for all.
1: Yeah, definitely, and, and well, yeah, I I can't go any further.
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, last thing is that I I just like this moment where Jake picks up on Gasher's weakness, mm-hmm. that he recognizes that what Gasher fears because he's like a dying man is not death. Like there's no threat that he could make against his life that would have an impact but he does still have a weakness he still does have a leverage point and that is his fear of humiliation and he recognizes that that has potential to be beneficial to him and it also is very clever and reminiscent in the way that roland reads people you know so it shows you the ways in which maybe at this point jake is not quite as technically skilled in terms of a a gunslinger but he does have that way of seeing people that that roland does and that i think gunslingers are expected to and that's pretty freaking sophisticated for an 11 year old kid
1: well he also was mind melded with roland for a while so that you know maybe oh you they're... mean
0: eddie
1: or yeah yeah excuse me with eddie so like maybe there's
0: do you feel like eddie like has that same skill set i don't know i don't know that he doesn't i'm trying to like i'm i'm unclear yeah. He may very well.
1: I th- it's probably I mean, too early Roland. for us to start yeah. throwing those assumptions around.
0: I mean, he definitely sees through Roland in that like conversation that they have before they get to Ludd. So maybe he does, and I'm selling Eddie short. Yeah. But yeah. I love Eddie. He's great. I'm not trying to dog <laughs> the dude out. I mean,
1: but... you know, there's nothing more comical than uh, someone trying to rob a bank and getting their gun stuck in their pants.
0: So, I, see, this is what I'm saying. I need to see this happen. I want to see it with my eyes and not just my mind. Uh, all right so overall thoughts what did you think of this chapter
1: um so i liked it so much that i sped past and continued (laughs) on like about maybe possibly 12 chapters past this and
0: (laughs) did you finish up the book um yeah yeah I (laughs) i don't blame you it was a little hard to stop when i got to the end of this i was like what what this is where the section is i
1: forgot how well yeah and i don't want to spoil anything so i will only leave it at i forgot how much i liked the tiktok man's character Ooh. until like i i mean not liked him you know he's a good he's villain a, he's a exciting. he's a bad guy but he's like he's got some he's got some skills and he's got some story behind him he's got and, some swag yeah i will leave it That's at that exciting. for
0: exciting okay Oh, yeah i really like this section as well like it had all the things i like it had plus it had some pretty good action we got a gunfight we haven't had one of those in god i don't even what last book
1: uh, was, yeah pretty yeah, much
0: unless you count the fight at the beginning with shardik this is the first time they've had a gunfight in this book, so so that was really fun. Um, I loved finally getting some backstory, like fully understanding the significance of the god drums, like creepy culture, and Lud continues to be creepy. Uh, the, uh, I, I love that we're getting some real insight into like the culture of gunslingers. We got some good psychology. Uh, the the song wasn't
1: even good enough to be released as a single.
0: Oh, <laughs> roasted. <laughs> oh, that, that's something I didn't talk about. and I, I should have talked about is all this stuff with the rituals around the pubes. I don't know that Stephen King is, indicting like all of religion but he definitely is going in on the way that people interpret it and we got some of that with Susanna's backstory where she has a flashback to her her dad but I think he really makes it clear here like with, with just like the way that both Susanna and Eddie go in on like look at what are you doing this is absurd your beliefs are are based on nothing they're based on less than nothing it's some crappy song that nobody even like didn't even deserve a single like you said and yet you guys are taking each other's lives over it and i think that that is a very intense critique (laughs) about if not religion organized religion in general The people who interpret it for sure i love it when stephen king gets a little like biting in terms of his like social commentary and i think this is a a really intense example of it and i am here for it (laughs) i meant to say that earlier but I, i somehow got lost in the mix so yeah i love this section very 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 excited to see what happens next so for those of you who are playing along at home, uh, the next episode, we are going to be covering The Wastelands, Book 2, Blood, A Heap of Broken Images, Chapter 5, Bridge and City, Sections 26 through 30. Again, it's just five sections, but it's about a little over an hour if you're doing the audiobook. So it's about the same amount of time that we would normally cover. So I'm very, very, very excited to get into that. Sound good, DJ? It Sounds great. So we don't have any Stephen King connections this time except for we're going to kind of get into some stephen king connections with our conspiracy theories there is no stephen king adaptation news sorry i've been trying to see if they have even renewed a castle rock 3 right now because for season three now because like that might be our only chance to get some dark tower mythology but so, as far as i know hulu has not made any decisions so fingers crossed everyone put good juju into the universe that we're going to get a third season of castle rock and that it will have some dark tower action in it and we did not get any emails of listener feedback but we did get a message on facebook just a quick heads up folks there are spoilers for the dark tower and for rose matter coming up ahead so if you are spoiler reverse here's your chance to duck out now I put a call out on the Facebook page. I don't know if you saw this DJ, where I wanted to know everybody else's conspiracy theories about Lud. Last time I put out my conspiracy theory that I think that the man in black, or sorry, Randall Flagg, aka the man in black, whatever you want to call him, Walter Odim, five thousand other names, may have been the person who turned the stereo system back on in Lud and played with the levels so that you just have the like drum beats. Um, mm. and I, I, there's no evidence to that except for I like the sound of it and it feels in keeping with the character. And I don't think we ever get an actual answer for that. So there's, you can't, you can't disprove a negative, right? So I have now made it canon that it, Randall Flagg was behind all of that. <laughs> so I put a call out on our Facebook page asking people to share their foil hat theories. I even made a little picture of Roland wearing a foil hat and he looks so cute. <laughs> so we did get one, Ryan, um, I don't know if I should say his last name from Ryan on our Facebook group, and he last time I talked about the connection between Rosematter and and Lud. Like Lud comes up in that book, and I read that book I don't know, fifteen years ago, and I liked it at the time, but I barely remember it. I just remember that there's some stuff about a Minotaur, and, and okay. she goes through a painting. I don't I don't totally remember all of it, but <laughs> obviously because actually I guess part of the book takes place in Lud, so. Needless to say, I'm going to be going back and rereading Rose Matter because I feel like a fool for not knowing this. But he has some theories about Rose Matter and Lud, in that like there may be more connections, like on a like maybe a metaphorical level. I don't know. So here's what he has to say, and I am totally in on this, and like my brain exploded. All right, <laughs> anyone read Rose Matter? In that book, the main character's journey journey to Lud. She also must travel through the Minotaur's labyrinth to rescue a child from the dark, demonic like woman. The labyrinth may also be connected to blood, in the Greek legend. And again, this part of why I think this is blowing my mind is because there's this repeated use of classical mythology and architecture in this section. So it's in keeping with if there with this it's because this book is so mytho- mythological, like it makes sense that this connection would exist, right? Okay, in Greek legend, King Minos hired Daedalus and Icarus. Remember, Icarus got brought up when we were in. Um, River crossing to build the grand labyrinth below the city to hold the sun captive. Now in the dark tower, the city of Lud is has a legendary figure that was obsessed with flying and crashed as a result and died as a result, which we already met. Which was David Quick, I think his name was. Yeah. The city itself is a dark labyrinth, and Roland's rescue of Jake. Spoiler alert! I guess we probably should warn people. Spoilers! Spoilers! There are spoilers spoilers for this book, and potentially for the entire series. So, if you are someone who has not read the book, goodbye. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. We love you. <laughs> but if you are spoiler verse, now it's time to go. If you are not spoiler verse,
1: get stay out.
0: Ways. Okay. All right. So, I think they've all left, right? All right. We're all right. We're all we're all on the inside now. Okay. Inside scoop here. All right. So, the city itself is a dark labyrinth, and Roland's rescue of Jake holds some parallel to Rose Matter's rescue of the baby in the book and some of the legends around the minotaur of Greek mythology. I'm not sure that any of these connections are super relevant, but they make sh- the whole mythology of Stephen King's Dark Tower series more interesting to me. One more thought. Could the demonic lady in Rosematter be connected to Mia? The baby Rose Rescues connected to Mordred? This connected, uh, is this connected to Jake's birth into Midworld and Mia and Susanna's strange mystical pregnancy? Is the Crimson King pulling the strings of either? Does Minions plant the painting that allowed the dimensional travel in that pawn shop in Rosematter? I love it. That is some, like, tin foil hattery, and I am here (laughs) for it. Any thoughts? I know you have not read Rose Matter.
1: No, and so I don't feel like I have anything intelligent to say about that matter. I mean, Rose seems to matter, though, so. Oh,
0: my God. So that was awesome. Thank you so, so much, Ryan. That was was really fun to read. It's fun to think about. I mean, that's half the fun of these books, right? Because it's a multiverse, and there's, like, all the the layers of the multiverse it allows play with these ideas and see how they kind of work together and It also leaves a lot of room for tinfoil hattery. Awesome. So everybody knows what to read for the next chapter. We don't have any other listener feedback. Well, if you do want to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. I'm going to continue to throw some questions onto the Facebook group because I do think that's a lot of fun. But also, if you have something like a little bit longer that you want to share with us, thoughts about the chapters, things coming up, you can email us at castofcaw at zombiegirls.com or you can just hit us up on the Facebook group. Uh, We'd love to have you join us over there and join in the conversation. And if you're enjoying the show, we do ask you to do us a little favor and leave us a review on the iTunes. And if you do, read it on the show. So there's that, too. All right. I guess that is it. Now, DJ, I know that you said you have retired from the Internet aside from this podcast. but That's not necessarily true anymore. You want to talk about where else people can find you on the internet, or is oh. that still like hush hush?
1: No, no, it's uh, I, I believe it's being released into the public. I mean, um, I knew
0: about it. So <laughs> the
1: the extremely long running uh, Splattercast, which was one of R. the, I the P. oldest and longest running horror theme podcasts on yep. the internet. Period. I believe. How we
0: met? It's, <laughs> how, how
1: long? Did, I think we went like fifteen years.
0: Something crazy like that. Yeah.
1: Um, we're not bringing the Splattercast back per se, as in we are not going R. to be <laughs> reading any. Or uh, being forced to watch any horror movies, we're we're all kind of done with that. But what we are going to do is have casual conversation from the previous members of the Splattercast uh, every few weeks or every week, whatever we decide on for timing. And you'll be able to listen to us, again, talk about what we've been up to, what movies we're working on, uh, what Mike's strange regimen is for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, as it is the same every single day. Oh, uh, I will be, each of us will be picking one thing that we don't think the others have uh, um, experienced or, or are familiar with and, like, laying that on the group to experience for themselves and come back with – Reports on what kind of horrible song I subject them to and so on. So it should be pretty fun. In these times we're we're all locked up. It's it's great to have like a group together to chat. Yeah. And Rachel, I hope to ha- hear your voice on the uh the reimagined splatter cast as well. I think they have a name for it, but they're bantering around. I do not know what it is. Um I am not a responsible podcaster. Uh, no also worries. on a side note, um I do have a garage again and my (gasps) machines are starting to turn up uh you may very well see a um gunslinger art thing that i started working on about i
0: want to see that i saw the beginnings of this people it is so rad
1: i uh (laughs) i started working on it and then i moved and have had no space for machines since then but uh, I will probably make one canvas to start with and post it. And if anybody is interested, we can throw that into like an Etsy or something like that. And Rachel, I still promise to make you one. Yay! And I apologize. <laughs> it's been so long since totally I've gotten fine. to the project. Better um, late
0: than never. I, I'm, it's, I'm willing to wait. It is so cool, you guys. Wait till you see it. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. Well, I cannot wait to hear the podcast. I miss hearing your voices. And, you know, because we're all, even before we were on lockdown, like, you guys are living in another state. So, um, I miss that, and I'm really, really, really excited that you guys are coming back. Yeah, so that's awesome. But if you want to hear some more of various podcasts, I am on the Stream Queens podcast with my friend Mars, where we talk about horror movies that you can stream on the internet. I'm on the Zombie Girls podcast, where we talk about horror from a feminist perspective. I'm on the More Deadly podcast with the theme song, a brand new theme song created by none other than one DJ, where we talk about horror movies directed by women, I i thanked you on the latest episode i forgot i even created that i don't ah! remember (laughs) yeah so on the latest episode i was like i i have some housekeeping i need to make sure to let you guys know we have a new theme song you probably noticed it's by our friend dj not that he'll ever hear this but (laughs) i just need to like let it be known that he is the creator behind this um so thank you and now i'm telling you personally since you know you're probably not gonna hear the show and what am i forgetting I think that's it for the podcast I'm on regularly, but I am going to be guesting on the Here's Johnny cast again this week. We're going to be talking about some hot topics. So come on over to the Here's Johnny cast to check that out. And that is it for me, DJ, buddy, pal, member of my forever (laughs) quartet. Want
1: to take us out? I feel a little uh, confused and um, um, uh, self-unaware, apparently, that I had completely forgotten that I'd even worked (laughs) on and or created anything for Rachel at all. And it was such a surprise to me when she mentioned it that I had forgotten that deeply. Uh, um, So now I'm wondering if I'm living in some sort of strange multiverse or new universe where... somebody
0: some code got messed up in the simulation dude
1: yeah i know I, I, <laughs> I i'm actually scrolling back through messages now to find it so i can listen to what it sounds
0: it's great. like <laughs> that's so funny you're just too prolific you're like you're like side king man well I,
1: I um as i close out i will tell you guys that i do write uh probably five to ten songs <laughs> a, a week um <laughs> and they just get thrown into an archive that no one ever listens to. So. All right, on that note, guys, if you yes. want a song written for you with your name in it, uh, I don't know, does $20 sound like a reasonable price? Like, we'll start no, selling songs. Me. We'll sell whatever because we're all stuck at
0: home and we have nothing better to do. And we love all of you, so thank you for coming. Good night! Bye, everybody! <laughs> that was great,